The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. At 307 on the 630 Chad Afternoon News, uh, we just said goodbye to Dr. Dave Williams, uh, who, among other things, of course, uh, is an astronaut, was an astronaut. I suppose once you are one, you always are one. A uh, number of you asking after we had wrapped up whether or not the doctor had seen any UFOs. And uh, the answer is no. Um, but I did see this story this morning. Apparently, this is kind of old news, but I'd not heard of it before, about this mysterious object, space object, that was observed tumbling past the sun late in 2017. Have you come up with the proper pronunciation? I don't know why they would name it this. <laughs> the Oumuamua. I think you're right. I think so, too. Oumuamua. Yeah. Okay. We're going to go with that anyways. Yeah, let's just see who's going to call uh, BS on it. It's <laughs> uh, this object, and the reason that it uh, got such attention in late 2017 was its unusual trajectory, the reddish stadium-sized object, stadium-sized object. Did you hear me? Um, they said that it uh, also uh, accelerated and slowed down. Um, so it didn't act like a typical asteroid, and it doesn't look like anything that uh, scientists have seen before. And now the reason it's in the news today again is that there's a pair of Harvard researchers who are raising the possibility that this is actually an alien probe. And they say in a paper that's going to be published on November 12th uh, that the uh, the paper's called the Astrophysical Journal Letters, that, that they say the object may be a fully operational probe sent to intentionally sent intentionally to Earth uh, by an alien civilization. I don't know where to go from there. I don't know either. <laughs> I mean... Uh, What's your view on UFOs? Uh, oh, boy. Our text line's going to light up. I know. <laughs> we should probably say as well that there are many in the scientific community, as you can well imagine, are saying, no, you can't just want it to be something and then come up with the facts that meet that hypothesis. It accelerated, it doesn't travel, whatever. Um... I don't buy UFOs. I'm just going to throw that out there right now. <laughs> just straight. So you've not been probed or anything? I have, well, as okay. far as I know, I have not by been probed. By a UFO, probed. an alien, right. But I, I, I am, as much as I would love to debunk the theory of UFOs, I am fascinated by Area 51. Like, mm. I would love to spend a couple of days there and see the ins and outs and, ha- and what they do. Haven't half a dozen presidents said that they would completely disclose what goes on and then haven't? No, of course not. But they would have the authority to find out they can do whatever they want hmm. but none of them have actually stepped up and said you know what <laughs> i just tomorrow out. at noon yeah. <laughs> i have a press conference to talk about everything at area 51 and all thing ufo and alien related <laughs> it is actually kind of funny because one of the scientists uh, a leading scientist somewhere you know somebody with one of those big brain guys he suggested that uh, that the, the manner in which it was propelled is is sort of like I, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I didn't say who it was anyway, so who cares? And basically, he was saying, well, it's it's archaic the way that this thing. If this, they're they're talking about like a solar cell or sail that propels it through space, and they're saying, hey, any civilization that has the ability to send something like this as far as it has been sent, because it's now returned, it's gone out of our solar system, we can't even see it anymore. He's saying, well, they would have much better technology, which just seemed like the most outrageous (laughs) debunking claim ever. How do you know what technology they have? Yeah, we can't see it anymore, so sorry. It's uh, it's not factual. That's just a... 
Weird one, but I thought I you know I typically wouldn't have even made the uh, the list, folks. Not even the big blue folder list, except so many of you asked about UFOs just a moment ago. So the doctor uh, did not see it, but apparently two Harvard professors did, and a number of others. Uh, so we'll have to wait, I guess, until November twelfth in their paper. My my theory would be that when the paper comes out, we'll have to wait another two hours for somebody else to figure out what the paper says. Yeah. And then yeah. summarize it. Yeah, exactly. Might have to go TMZ on that bad boy. So where do you stand then? On you UFOs? You ask me, yeah. Well, it depends. I mean, if you just say, well, a UFO is an unidentified flying object, then yes, there's unidentified flying objects all the time because you look up in the sky and go, I don't know what that is, so it's unidentified and it's flying, so that's what it is. As far as aliens, I, you know, part of me says that it would be Ridiculous to suggest that in a universe as vast as ours, or in you know in in everything outside of our universe, that there's no other planet that has some form of life. That would be ridiculous to to assume that that, that you know that there isn't other life out there. As to whether or not I believe that aliens have landed on our planet, interacted with us, or live among us, I do not believe that. Okay, so. I just wanted to get your insight, your perspective. Yeah, I mean, that's just me, but, you know, what do I know? So, speaking of which, this is the story I actually wanted to talk about, because, honest to God, folks, if this opened in Edmonton, I would be first in line to go. And it, it's a bit of a walk down memory lane. On June 7th, the Museum of Failure will open <laughs> in Sweden, in Helsingborg, Sweden, and it only has, at this point when it opens, I think 60 items on exhibit uh, but they intend to uh, to increase that and uh, and have more offerings for you I don't know why it's opening in Sweden but I guess because somebody Swedish came up with the idea but as you start uh, the press release talks about some of the items that will be on display and it, it you can't help but go oh yeah remember that <laughs> you know and, and I wondered if our listeners as I tell you about uh, as we tell you about some of these items if you can think of other items that probably should be on display in the Museum of Failure. And please, uh, do not mention this show. Uh, just let's keep it <laughs> cordial cordial and civil and above board. Uh, but among the items on display, Google Glasses. Do you remember Google Glasses? That's the only one on the list that I actually remember. <laughs> it, was, it was an early attempt. It was an optical head-mounted display designed in the shape of eyeglasses. They started selling a prototype to qualified what they called glass explorers uh, in the States on April 15th of 2013. They were $1,500. And I remember this. I was on radio when this happened. I remember talking about it. Nobody's buying that. Uh, became available to the public. It was supposed to become available to the public May of 2014. I think it did in limited amounts. But uh, the following year, Google announced that it would stop producing them. Uh, it was a complete failure. Do you remember why? No, I don't. It, it, they didn't work, would be the, <laughs> <laughs> the bottom line. It, it was basically picture everything that's on your computer screen, only now it's in front of your eyes yeah. as you're driving or walking. or It was just dumb. And mm. it, there also, many complained that it was a complete invasion of privacy because it had certain software that could identify, you know, it was working on facial recognition. And it was every sci-fi movie you've ever seen, only it didn't work as good as they do in the movies. Do you know what else is going to be added to the list soon? What? There's a company that I won't name. Okay. That plans on putting out this suit that helps you imitate driving high. What? Yeah. Where you would basically get in a suit and it would fog your vision and weigh your body down to treat it as if you're driving stoned. Okay. Why? 
exactly why and what's the point so i try it i don't like it or i do like it why would i go buy this suit i'm just out at a party like guys guess what i'm gonna put on my high suit and try and drive home tonight or or is the idea that you put on the suit so you enjoy the effects of being under the influence but then you can take the suit off yeah but if you're in a suit that has you under the influence or why would you think to take the suit off Exactly my point. Uh, Museum of failure. Yeah. Sony Betamax. And I I didn't know this. Now, I remember Betamax, and you would not. Uh, VHS would probably be something that you remember. I do remember VHS, but I do not remember Betamax. Well, Beta was uh, Sony's, and what they wanted to do was, as many companies have done in the past, they wanted to make their format the benchmark. So for personal use cameras, uh, video cameras, that kind of thing, uh, it was Betamax, and... They had a run-in with JVC, um, who produce uh, videotapes and this kind of thing, where they wanted to insist that JVC go into business partnership with them and only make beta-compatible tapes. And JVC just felt that, well, they would be a slave to the Sony people if they did that. So JVC launched their own format called VHS, and the two went head-to-head for the better part of 40 years. But in the end... Of course, we all know Betamax failed. They were big, clunky, and horrible. <laughs> the sort of think eight track technology, kind of, but also in the museum of failure. How about so, the Apple Newton? There's so many good ones on here. I know. <laughs> the Harley <laughs> Davidson perfume. I know. <laughs> like, Among the Harley Davidson perfume, Coca Cola Black, which was uh, coffee flavored Coke, Colgate Beef Lasagna TV Dinner. Colgate beef lasagna TV, okay, and the Trump Monopoly style board game. Do you remember that? I do. It was, I think, I just New York, and you yeah, bought and towers and yeah, exactly. I don't think you ran for president on that one, but Colgate beef lasagna TV dinner. Mm-mm, good. Um, <laughs> Does that? Yeah. If you saw that on the shelf, would you be like, I got to get me some Colgate mint, beef lasagna, mint beef flavored? Lasagna. The funny thing is, they entered the TV dinner market at about the time everybody had sworn off TV dinners, which was the other thing. So yeah. timing was bad on their part. You're probably not old enough to remember TV dinners. Uh, to an extent, here and there, it like was it a, wasn't a silver a... tray that you couldn't put in a microwave, which was fine yeah. because we didn't have microwaves. Yeah, you heated it up and then you pulled the cardboard top off it, and then there was peas the, in one little compartment, the plastic and... film that you had That's to peel right. off too. Yeah, well, yeah. it wasn't that sophisticated. I think it was just cardboard, and then you couldn't really. Everything had its compartment. Oh. Well, I I may not have remembered the specific TV dinner, but companies that tried to carry it forward, right, and they'd have this awful so-called brownie. That was in yes, one of the compartments. That's right. It was just a pile of chocolate that you heated I remember up. Remember that? Yeah, it was uh, the Hungry Man's. Yeah, Hungry Man's. They really tried to carry on the TV dinner experience, but my God, they were bad. Was it? Um, and this is not in the uh, Swedish Museum of Failure, <laughs> but it will be. But it could be. But it was more a marketing failure. I think it was. Uh, I want to say Big John Beans. Okay. Uh, which there was nothing wrong with Big John Beans. They were pretty good. But when they launched into, I believe, uh, France, uh, and this is why you should, you know, you should Google stuff. I think um, they translated literally and just said, well, uh, we'll call it uh, Grand Jacques Beans or something along those lines, right? But it turns out uh, saying that in French to Parisians uh, refers to um, 
something else on your body. <laughs> so it's not exactly like a quarter pounder with cheese being a no. royale with cheese. Exactly, exactly. It doesn't uh, quickly translate. The Apple Newton. Now, somebody wanted to buy me an Apple Newton, uh, and fortunately, as good fortune would have it, I had already heard how bad these were and didn't get it. It was the first ever personal digital assistant. Uh, Apple, of course, is the one who uh, who came up with it. They shipped the first device in 1993. Production ended in 1998. So it, it lasted for five years. But some of the problems associated with it includes it included its high price. It was ridiculously high priced, which is not unexpected. I remember the first calculator came out. My dad brought it home from the office. It literally could only do plus minus times and uh, division. Yeah. And it was ridiculously expensive. Um, and it only went to like three decimal places or something. But so, you know, with time, as they produce more, you hope the price will come down. But it didn't happen in this case. Plus, there was two problems. It it was basically, picture a piece of paper with a pen, right? And you write something on the piece of paper. Well, that was the Newton, only it was a screen. So, you know, like, or, or what was that? Uh, oh, you're probably too young for that, too. What was that thing where you would write on, you could draw a picture on it and then rip up the plastic and the picture would disappear and you could write again? I don't know. I, I was thinking of an know. etch and sketch, but yeah, that's not Yeah, but the, even before that, yeah. like just... You, I think they probably still sell them at gas stations. But anyways, the problem with this Newton was it had a really hard time interpreting handwriting. So the feature was that you could write what you want, like make appointment 2 p.m. And it would be like, do you want apples? And like, no. <laughs> it's like when you ask your uh, voice provider on your phone exactly. a question. And they're like, we don't understand what that means. Or they, they pick a city that's like 2,000 kilometers away. And you're like, oh, can I get to Calgary this way? Right. And they're like... If you want to get to XY Montana, yeah, please right. follow these directions. There is a cattle auction in... Okay, never mind. But this was my favorite. Then we'll take the break, because I remember this. Nokia's N-Gage. Now, you wouldn't think... You wouldn't remember this. It lasted so little amount of time that it was gone before most people even knew it existed. <laughs> what the idea was, uh, Game Boy Advance had come out. And so Nokia took a run at them, and what they did was picture your Xbox controller or your whatever gaming system you like to use, PlayStation 4 controller, but put a phone in the middle. <laughs> so the idea was it was a phone, only you could play games on it. So you, you could make a phone call or you could play games right on the, the controller, right? The only thing is the phone buttons, were they looked like phone buttons, and gamers don't play with phone buttons. <laughs> so it didn't appeal to people who wanted a phone because they would just buy a phone, and it didn't appeal to game players because why am I playing games on a phone? Like, you know, picture any game you like playing, and, and your selection is one, two, three, four, five. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it was just awful. It was described as resembling a taco, which led to its uh, nickname, the Taco Phone. Creative. Yeah, anytime your product becomes... Uh, a nickname, Taco Phone. You've probably done something wrong in uh, research and development. That is some of the items that will be available on June 7th. Uh, the Museum of Failure opening in Helsingborg, Sweden. Uh, let's take a break. And when we come back, uh, I don't know what we're going to do. At 3.26, we just have a minute left before we throw it in the news. Uh, a number of you uh, mentioned, I said that uh, beta was big and bulky, and uh, a lot of you pointing out that uh, VHS was bigger, beta was smaller. Yeah, I remember that. It was the players. So I'm, it's just my age showing. I remember when you got the beta players to play the 
the beta tapes. And the quality of video was better, by the way. But they were just this huge, massive, square, bulky player. So I apologize. I got you uh, all upset. Uh, on our texting line, real quick. Other computer types, uh, type items that should be in the Museum of Failure, Windows ME and Windows Vista. Totally agree. Uh, cool show, 1984 Zenith 4-head VHS. $1,400, says Alan. <laughs> nice. Uh, Hungry Man is a Swanson company. They originated TV dinners. Hungry Man was an enlarged TV dinner, says Doug. I think you're right. Still brutal, right? That's the point here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Other electronics that should be in the Museum of Failure, Mattel, and television game console hooked up to your television. George Plimpton was the pitch man. I remember that. Uh, the Palm Pilot, yeah. Sony mini discs, they were supposed to replace mm. CDs. I remember those. And uh, this, Betamax failed only because it was not properly marketed and consumer units not built well. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, beta as a format was technically superior. That's why broadcast television for so many years used Sony Betacam. You're right. It was for the world uh, the same as beta, but the tapes ran out three times the speed as beta setting. And Virtual Boy, I have to admit, I had to look it up. It is an obnoxious, clunky, not really mobile gaming console in which you almost have to look through like a periscope to see the game that apparently it was so unpopular I don't remember it. I want to throw Sega Dreamcast into that mix too. Done and done. The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad.